chatting with a brother in the hallway who was moved here from Africa, and he said, your message completely changes everything about prayer. I'm going to teach you today about learning to pray. He said, I come from Africa, and where we are in Africa, he said, we spend all of our time praying against witch doctors because we know they've got more power than us Christians. It's okay, I had a, another brother call me who's pastor of a mega church in another country, and he was in India, and he was ministering along one of the, the rivers in India, that very sacred river, and he had to leave because the devil power was so strong there, and I'm listening to him. And I want to talk about learning to pray. Because if you don't learn to pray, you have all these rights and privileges that you don't know how to access. And so prayer is about our fellowship with God, but it's also about enforcing the covenant that Jesus gave his life for. And so if you're still reading old covenant stories and you don't know how to take them through the cross, then you are begging and bugging and pleading with God. And that's horrible unbelief in prayer. I would get together with different groups as I would speak places around the world. They'd have prayer meetings and things. I'd get up and leave some of them. I just couldn't handle the incredible unbelief that some prayer meetings are about. If we could just get three people praying for us. Let's get the churches in Canada praying for us. Let's get the churches all across the world praying for us. Then God's got to do it. What in the world kind of doctrine is that? Get the prayer tower, the prayer basement. We'll get the prayer closet. We'll get the prayer team. We'll get the, we'll get the, the prayer people. Okay, we should all be praying, of course. But people do not understand prayer. Now, prayer has been different down through the ages. Prayer was different in the Old Testament. Prayer was different when Jesus taught it before his death. Prayer is different after his death. And Jesus spent chapters teaching prayer so that people would know how to pray the prayer life of the kingdom of God. And so today I want to talk a little bit about it. And so, but I want, I want to empower you. I want to make sure you understand that if you don't love prayer, if you don't get excited because you're learning, number one, to fellowship with God. This prayer of fellowshipping and talking and getting into his word and just fellowshipping with Holy Spirit. And as you learn the word, you begin to have a new identity. And until your identity is established by grace in your heart, you'll just be a vain repetition prayer. And so I pray that you'll understand and have a passion for this thing called prayer. You see, in the Old Testament, they believed in different things about prayer than we do now. I'll give you an example. Anybody in the Old Testament that had to have faith and, 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 and prayer, they got a word from God. Moses got a burning bush. Abraham got a visit from an angel. Joshua got a visit from an angel. You just find men and women who did great things for God. In the Old Testament, God spoke with them directly. 
an, a word from an angel. God would use a burning bush. He'd have Abraham count the stars. Those are going to be your kids. He would do different things. And then they would rise up and they would go forth in the word that God gave them. And if they didn't, God would have to find someone else. Moses was supposed to take him into the promised land. He blew it. Read the story. And he had to raise Joshua up to do it. In the New Testament, they didn't, what they put their faith in there as we followed 12 apostles and Jesus was they put their faith in what Jesus said to do. Jesus said, we're going to the other side. Jesus said, we're going to feed this multitude. Go find me some food. And they listened and obeyed Jesus. If they couldn't get to the other side and the boat in the storm, Jesus would walk on the water. Peter got off and walked on the water. We all remember him sinking, but Jesus pulled him back to his feet and didn't do the fireman carry back to the boat. Peter walked with him back to the Jesus would say things, and the disciples got their marching orders. In the New Testament, once Jesus died and rose again, and once Jesus had... Um, taken your my place and gave us his life, his authority, you have to understand that prayer changed again. And Jesus teaches a lot about prayer, but people just mix it up. They grab a little bit about prayer from Jesus and a little bit of prayer from Abraham and a little bit of prayer from Ezekiel. Let's grab some little bit from Jeremiah. Let's throw it all together. Let's mix it up. And oh, it's gonna be good prayer. You don't say, wow, what do I got in my kitchen? Throw a little bit in the bowl over here and a little bit over there. You know, and, and throw it together. It's going to taste good. We don't go to sporting events and go, hey, look at the basketball guy. He just scored a touchdown. And, and look at the guy. Oh, they're fighting in the corner like hockey and it's basketball. No, there's different guidelines for different sports. And so it is true for prayer. One person said to me after I did a teaching on prayer, you know, you make this too hard. And, and, you know, God knows our heart, and everything is simple. I'm going, no, that's not true. All through the Word, there's scriptures that say, move on from the elementary things. Come on. God once winked at your ignorance. Now he wants you to know his Word. To not know his Word is to not wear the armor, because each piece is a revelation of a different doctrine in the Word. To, to not begin to rise up and know what your authority is. And so Jesus began to teach what prayer would be like when he rose again. And he said, for the first time in thousands of years, there was going to be a new way to pray. And this new way to pray had never been used before. And it was, when you pray, use my name. Never been used before. Nowhere in the Old Testament, of all the books in the Bible, never was the name used in prayer. And then he began to teach us how to pray. He began to teach us how to use the spoken word. And not even pray, just use authority. For example, speak to mountains, and they will obey you if you don't doubt in your heart. It doesn't even talk about prayer. It's talking about the release of words. Jesus taught a new way to bring authority into the planet. And so the church was commissioned to pray this way. And the church is considered the greatest group that ever will walk the planet. It wasn't the house of Israel. It wasn't the Israelites in an old covenant. Thank God for how God began to use the precious Israelites to, to start there with them. And even they were to take this to the world. And so this progression from the book of Genesis on is to have a people of God on this planet who not only 
knew God and followed God, but had his presence on the inside. They had their sins forgiven. They had things going on that made them potent on the planet. But instead, we seem to have in so many cases kind of a mealy-mouthed, shallow, uh, diabetic crowd of people who just feed on candy and just, just bless me with a, you know, a, something really easy. Like, tell me Jesus loves me and things are good and whew, I'll go do another week. Why don't we just teach you how to get up and have authority? Why don't we teach you how to get up and walk uh, through the problems and, and, and take on the mountains? You see, God has given you and I an inheritance. Okay, But the inheritance and the agreement isn't between you and God. Did you know that when you read in Galatians 3.16, how that God made promises to Abraham, and one of the promises that Paul was teaching in Galatians was that God would have an agreement with his seed. Not plural, singular. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that the human race has an agreement with God. The human race. And the person who represents the human race is Jesus Christ. Do you understand that in heaven, there's only one human body? Right now as I speak, only one human body is in heaven. Every person that we love and has died, their bodies are buried, cremated, buried at sea, disappeared in a bush or someplace, but their bodies do not go to heaven. And you'll get, they'll get a new body one day. But in heaven at the right hand of the Father is Jesus Christ in his crucified body. Bible's very clear. You'll see the nail holes in his hands. You'll see the, the, the spear hole in his side. You'll see the marks on his head. Why is that? Because you and I aren't going to have any scars on our new body in heaven. It's because of his intercessory place. Some Christians go, well, Jesus is interceding for me. I don't even need to pray. Read your Bible. It doesn't say he's up there praying for you. It says he is your intercessory, your mediary. He is standing there at the right hand of the Father, and anything you use the name of Jesus for, and if any demon from hell was trying to challenge in, in, the, in, the, in the courtroom of heaven, that they have no right, there's Jesus standing, nail holes still in his hands. He took your sin. He took your death. He rose again and gave you new life. And so you and I, if we had to go to court, we would want it signed. Or we would want witnesses that you gave your word. But in, the, in heaven at the right hand of the Father is the guarantee of the covenant for the church. There stands Jesus. And the marks on his body means he died in your place. He suffered in your place went to hell in your place, took the curse in your place so that you could rise up and you could walk in the power and the, and the blessing of God. Now, if the agreement would have been between me and God, you'd all be finished. Why is that? Because, well, none of us can live perfectly enough. And just for all the arrogant spiritual people, you ever meet them? They think they're all that in a bag of chips and they're judging you. Like they think they're the church cops. Just to really get religious people, Jesus said, oh, and by the way, if you've done it in your heart, if you think it in your heart, it's as bad as doing it. So, oh, you didn't commit adultery, but oh, you lusted after him in your heart or her in your heart. 
you've done it. Oh, you didn't kill him, but you'd sure like to in another world. You've done it in your heart. What Jesus was doing was showing them the bar was so high, you're screwed. Bad English, good point, just for the moms that are upset with me. This agreement for the church is between Jesus, the head of the church, and Father God. And he came and represented the human race. That's why he had to, he had to be born of a teenage girl named Mary. Holy Spirit came upon her. And she became pregnant by no man, but by the very presence of God. It worked a creative miracle. And he died on a cross for you and I. Now, then the Bible says, for example, in Romans chapter 8, 17, that we are heirs. We have inherited something. And we're not just heirs of God, but we are joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. Now, Jesus has an inheritance. He said after he arose from the dead to his disciples, all power is given to me in heaven and a little bit on earth. You know, you might think, well, I don't know why people are so worried about witch doctors and in Africa or a holy river where people seem to levitate and spirits are. But, you know, Canada and America, same thing. We think the government's infallible and that, you know, we, can, we can't ever beat them, that we're just the weak church hoping, oh, you know, things are looking, look at our country. It's gone too far. Jesus, come rescue us. Oh, oh, get up and let's go do something for God. Let, let's make sure the church of Jesus Christ knows who it is. So if you are a child of God, it says in Romans 8, 17, then you are an heir. You have inherited. You have inherited things, all of the promises of God. And you have inherited the qualification for all of those promises. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says, The yes to all God's promises is in Christ. And through Christ, we say, Amen. You're going to say, see amen differently when you realize that when Jesus died, took the curse of the law, took your punishment, took your and my sickness and disease, went to hell in our place and suffered, then he arose again, and he gives you a new life. Now when you pray, it's not about, okay, I'm going to pray, but before I pray, maybe I should wait a week because I had some bad thoughts on Tuesday. I was shouting at the guy on Thursday. I gave that lady the finger who was driving behind me on Monday. And so I don't think I'm good enough to really pray. Lucky for you, the yes is in Christ. It's not in you. If it was in me, we're all in trouble. If it was in you, we're all in trouble. But the yes to every promise is in Christ. And so Jesus, as he was teaching at the beginning of a new way to pray for a new group that had never walked the planet called the church, and he would be the head, and we would be the body. And the way the enemy would stop you from walking in your inheritance is to get you to shut up and stop praying because you're not good enough, clean enough, fixed up enough. You haven't canceled enough addictions. You have, and, and so what we do is we keep thinking that prayer would be answered better if I lived better. No, you're never going to live good enough to move God. So quit. Now, we would appreciate you changing. Okay? 
All of the, the, all of the principles of God's word are for your benefit. God did not write the Bible and go, this is for my benefit. I need a whole bunch of kids who can look after me and praise me and worship me. And, and this is all for my benefit. Nothing's for God's benefit. This is for your benefit. Everything he teaches will be to help you in your horizontal relationships. Okay, but between you and God, there was no hope for the human race. Jesus established that we are joint heirs with Jesus and that we rely upon Jesus' perfection when we pray. And so he said, when you pray, you pray to the Father. It doesn't say pray to Jesus. He said, you pray to the Father, but you pray in my name. Why do we use his name? Because his name gives you the righteousness, the qualifications, and all that is needed to make that prayer that you are praying one that is done. It's not like, well, love you sincerely, Leon. No, like it's in Jesus' name. We use in Jesus' name, so just whatever. Yeah, in Jesus. No, 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 no. They had never, ever heard that before when the disciples listened to him pray. Wait, what? Because when he taught them how to pray in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I mean, not after his death, it was, here's how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's an old covenant prayer. But Jesus taught it. He taught it in the Old Covenant. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not New Covenant books. They're New Testament books, but they're not New Covenant. The Old Covenant was still in effect. I'm helping somebody. If I can at least get one person to get this today, I'm going to change your world. And so, because Jesus went to the cross, the Apostle Paul and Peter and Luke and some of these men who wrote the New Testament begin to bring a new way of praying that stuns people, and it made all of the religious people in Jesus' day, it was the stumbling block that they stumbled over. They couldn't get this faith righteousness, that I'm righteous because of Jesus. I'm righteous through Jesus. When these disciples were walking around and raising the dead and healing the sick, they, they weren't perfect. Okay? They had, it's not like they never had a bad thought, never had a dirty thought, never had a temptation, never got mad. No. I'm sure if they were giving people the finger back then, they were tempted too. These were not perfect men. These were men who were born again, and the perfection of the ability to pray comes because of Jesus in your spirit. Now, your mind, your emotions, and your body, they as well can change and grow. But that's for the benefit of the person you're sitting beside. But between you and God, Christ established that. That's why in the Old Testament, every promise has an if. And I hear this quoted all the time. If my people will humble themselves and pray, I'll heal their land. Maybe get in the new covenant and find out that there's no if on that promise. That God, he'll turn a city upside down with one guy. Philip goes to a city. The entire city turns to Christ. One man. 
The Apostle Paul took out the then known world of the Roman Empire, brought the gospel everywhere, changed the then known world, and it has now changed our world with over two billion people who in some way or form say that they are Christian, that Jesus is Lord and Savior, whatever degree that they find and they are committed to him, that's the kind of difference he made. Never traveled more than a hundred miles from his home. Never had any title in, in the nation at that time of any greatness. He never wrote a book. He never, no one's got, oh, Jesus wrote this out and handed it to me. I still got it 2,000 years later. You can't find. What made this man great was the presence and the power of God in the message whose time was here. And that was, I will build my church. Chase a rabbit for a minute. You can chat about religion all you want, but don't come against a church where Jesus is Lord. You become a weapon. Okay, and you don't want to do that. Don't ever want to do that. Watch your mouth. Guard what you say. Make sure that the churches of Jesus Christ, even believing differently, that you respect and leave them with God. Jesus protects his church. He is building his church. And to follow Jesus is to build his church. To say you're following Jesus while you wander after your own career, your own destiny, and, and you're not a part of a local church, because the universal church is built up of local churches, and all of the teachings that you find is for building local churches. And so you are an heir. And according to 2 Corinthians 1.20, the yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. Now in the Old Testament, the yes had to come from you. The believing, the sacrificing of an animal, you'd better be under the Old Covenant with the blood of bulls and goats so that you could walk out that Old Testament kind of prayer. But in the New Testament, this is such a done deal that people struggle with this. And I'm going to challenge you. I don't care if you've been born again for 40 years or, or, or you're a former missionary or preacher or whatever. Get into the Word and learn to pray the new covenant prayer. Jesus died so that you and I could get up and every prayer should be answered. Well, Leon, what if it's the wrong prayer? Well, that's understandable. But when you take His Word... And his spirit. You know, to those who are really great faith people and love the word, this is crucial because to not know the word leaves you uh, in a place where the enemy can play with your head and your emotions so much because you're not anchored in the word. But even once you're anchored in the word, Jude 20 says, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, which you got through the word, praying in the Holy Spirit. When you have a relationship with Holy Spirit and you feed on God's Word, when these two come together, you are in, have an incredible ability to walk in confidence. You can sense the presence of God on people who know the Word and the Holy Spirit. It's not just bravado. It's just not great public speaking. It's not just this look like I got it together. No, it follows them day in and day out when you talk, when you laugh, when you love, when you play. In every area of your life, there is this they could just say the disciples had been with Jesus. When you understand, like Galatians 3.13, that says Christ took away the curse of the law that was put on us. He changed places with us, and he became your curse, my curse. 
If you're sitting here and you think that the disease you've got is because of a former sin, you've been lied to. If you think that you're here and the condition you have is a DNA situation that has come through the generations of your family name, you have been lied to. The curse, as written in Deuteronomy 28, verses 16 and on, all of those curses, Jesus took them all, item by item, line upon line. And he died and he took the curse of the law, even went to hell in your place, so that as a believer, you're an heir. You have inherited the blessing. When did you inherit the blessing and the promises of God? Well, even before you were born. Because 2,000 years ago, every person that would ever be born uh, on this planet as a human being could call upon the name of Jesus, believe in him, and become a part of Jesus' body, his group called the church. The church has been so watered down because when we say, hey, the church, we think of the building on 1st Street and the building on 3rd Street and, and the building over there. And, 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 and No, no, the church is not a building. The church is the ecclesia. It's the called out to send forth ones. And any church that sits in four walls is not a part of the church of Jesus Christ. To sit and do nothing as your country changes in any area, politics, education, health care, to do nothing. You can't be a part of the church because the church is the salt and the light to everything on this planet. We bring incredible creativity to arts and entertainment. We bring stunning wisdom and strength to politics and business. Where others might cheat or lie, the church of Jesus Christ can stand in a place and, and lead in a way that this world is changed. He didn't say, pray. I, mean, I, mean, I won't answer 90% of them. <laughs> but it's good to pray. One pastor actually told me, praying's important because, you know, it really, it really changes you. I said, cool. Second part? Second part? What do you mean second part? So then why pray for anything if all that does is change you? That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught, you speak to the Father in my name, and I'll give it to you. He said, you speak to a mountain. You don't even ask me about the mountains. Just speak to them. What would that mountain represent? The problem. What problem? Any curse of the law that comes into your life, you command it to go. And as the word begins to build in you and the spirit of God begins to come upon you, both are up to you. Both are up to you. If you're tired of having to run around finding somebody with a little faith, then get some. If you're tired of running around trying to find a prophet to give you a word so you get some direction, just hear for yourself. What makes the church of Jesus Christ so stunning is that for the first time in the history of the planet, there was a group of people that had, they were a royal priesthood and a holy nation. They were both kings and priests. In the Old Testament, a priest would go into the Holy of Holies and communicate with God on behalf of the people. You are a priest and you get to walk into the Holy of Holies in your prayer time and chat with him yourself. And in the name of Jesus, any of your inconsistencies, any of your weaknesses, any of the things you struggle with that makes you feel God would never talk to you, you're right, so don't use your name. Don't go, yeah, I'm here in the name of Leon, God. It's going to go like, I'm here in the name of Jesus. thought you'd never come, Leon. So glad you're taking advantage. Do you know that God is like this father that just can't wait to see you make use of all the promises? 
He's not holding all the promises in a basket going, oh, I hope I don't get asked too much today. Well, all right, that word. Well, give one of them some healing. Okay, prosper one of them. No, he's just going, I just can't wait till my kids take advantage of what my son died for and just walk in this new life, walk in the blessing. Just rise up and go do it. As you begin to make a decision, my time is up, but as you begin to make a decision that the word is so precious. Now, many people have told me, and I'm going to clear up a couple things before I go here. I'll be quick. They'll say, you know, the Bible's hard to understand. You bet it is. It's written in a code. Yeah, I thought so. I read the Bible code. No, I'm not talking about that kind of code. It's written in a spiritual code. And Holy Spirit will take you and then reveal it to you. People say, nah, you can just read the Bible word. No. When you read the New Testament, there are over 200 examples of who writes the book, finding a couple of verses from the Old Testament and inserting it. And when you read the Old Testament prophets, they sound like they're a little ADD. Read it. They'll be talking about this. I'll, boop, they start talking about some city and the rivers flowing. And I, boop, they were back on this. You go, what in the world? But those four verses are talking about the anointing. And, and, and God would reveal through his presence to Paul and to Peter. And they'd, and they'd grab these Old Testament verses that were prophesying at the time we're living in. And they would drop them right into that book. If you go to a Bible that shows you all of the New Testament that is rewriting the Old Testament, the New Testament is a rewrite of the Old, but in a new covenant. They had a different deal with God. We have a different deal with God. And if you do not begin to see that in the Word, and as you decide to start to study the Word, Holy Spirit, teach me get into a church that'll teach you the word and not just throw candy to an already diabetic crowd. Just stay shallow. You're good. God loves you. Go up there. Do what you can. I was telling the kids earlier that I kind of did a scan of all the messages that some of the great, and they're friends, but some of the great preachers on television are doing. And it's hard to find offensive messages. No, I don't mean offending you. I mean offensive. Like, you know, when you have a football team, you got the defensive line and you got the offensive line. The offense always causes offense, but don't worry about it. And, but it's like the church is always on defense. We're here for the hurting and the broken and the struggling and we're going to help you. Of course we are. We are a hospital. But are we ever going to put a team on the field? Well, we're all on the injured bench right now. We have great doctors. We have good meals, great hospitals. We have baths and massages, and, and it's just wonderful. I love working for this team. Well, it's going bankrupt because they're not winning any games. And the Church of Jesus Christ is to be a hospital to the hurting, to get them recovered, and to get them on the field playing the game of life, advancing the kingdom of light, and taking positions from the kingdom of darkness. And so we need to find... We need to find this word of God, this church of Jesus Christ that says, let's go into the world. You know, the Bible says that when it says go into the world, it doesn't mean everybody's called to be a missionary in a different country. It literally is saying, when going, do this. When going out into the world, do this. And you and I are to be salt. We are to be light. We are called everywhere we go. And you know what? I may as well say this too because I'm already over time. The Word of God talks a lot about suffering. And people get that messed up too. 
You see, suffering with sickness and poverty and, and, and depression and unhappiness. And, no, no, he's not talking about suffering with the curse. The curse was taken care of. The suffering that we share in with Christ is that there is a world out there where Satan is the God of this world, Corinthians 4.4. 4. And they don't like it. They like it the church if you stay in your four walls and just be stupid. Stay dumb till he comes. But if you rise up and begin to bring the life of Jesus into the public square, if you rise up and bring the life of Jesus into TV stations, into channels and governments, you know, it's just like all of a sudden, everybody's mad and unhappy. And so they were, Jesus said, they didn't like me, they won't like you. But don't worry about it, I've overcome them all. It doesn't mean that we act stupid. It doesn't mean that we bring religiosity into the marketplace or into the government or into education. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. But if we stand up, people will have a few things to say. It bugged me when I was a younger pastor because I get all these death threats. Get all these people. And then finally I realized, Jesus said, don't worry about it. Just keep going. And then I started looking at really great people. Do football players suffer? Talk to one. I remember our coach taping one broken finger to the next and get back out there. I remember having my ankles so twisted, that turkey would have this freeze spray, tape it immobile and get back on the field. Today, professional football, watch basketball. Well, who's that? They're famous for having the IV bag inserted at the break because they're sick. But when you get 20 million to play every year, it's... But the church, and when things are really easy and really good and, and there's just nothing going on and no one will say anything negative about me, I might stand up. <laughs> good Lord. Your country, it'll be too late. Your city, it'll be too late. If people without Christ can handle the backstabbing and the betrayal of the positions they're holding, why can't the church of Jesus Christ get up and recognize, yeah, I'm going to be hated and lied about and talked about and backstabbed? And you know what? He'll be all over you and you'll go like that football player who's walking to the locker room, got his broken finger taped, he's got his jaw a little bit loose because the helmet got taken off and his hips a little bit out because he got tackled about six feet in the air landed on his head and he's walking back going we won this is the greatest game of my life but he's so hurt he's injured he's broken he's gasping he's doing the guppy they don't even look at that it's worth it all for them to play the game they love that's the kind of church we need that's the kind of church we need Men who will stand up for honor and integrity. Women who will stand up for honor and integrity. Saying, this is what we need. Father, touch every one of us. Help us to know that the perfection of Jesus, you, you made it possible for us to enter the Holy of Holies. We're co-heirs. And Father, I pray that across our churches, across this land and around this world, the church will rise up as salt and light, not arrogant, not condescending, but to reach all of the lost sheep, the people that you love. And Father, I pray that we won't worry about who's gonna blog about us and lie about us, but we'll get up confident knowing you've overcome them all. I'm gonna take the place that you've put me in 
the gifts you've placed within me. I'm going to do everything I can in our lives, Father, to advance your kingdom. Father, I pray this over this place, over springs, over every person listening around this planet. Let your church, Father, rise up with the power that you intended it to. Every head bowed for just a moment. For those that are here that would say, Leon, I'm not sure that I am a believer. I'm not sure that I'm born again. That I'm going to lead all of you in a powerful prayer. In fact, we are all going to pray together out loud. This prayer that many of us have prayed. And for all of you that are here across the auditorium that would say, today's the day I'm going to get right with God. This is going to change your life. In fact, for all of you who are here that would say, Leon, please include me in this prayer. I need to give my life to him. Just, would you folks just open your eyes, just you folks, all across the auditorium. And if you're saying to me, Leon, include me in this prayer. Would you just give me a wave till I see your hand? Put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Others. Thank you. 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 Coming to this side. Just give me a quick wave. Say, Pastor, include me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For those who are watching by television, wherever you are on this planet, God is in love with you, but he'll never force himself into your world. Pray with us. As all of us here at Springs are going to pray this out loud. Join us. Let's all pray with these amazing folks. It goes like this. Just say, Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus who died in my place, paid the price for my life, my sin. So Jesus, I accept your gift of a new life come into my heart. I'm following you for the rest of my days with the ability that you bring in jesus name amen and amen welcome to the family of god that's how powerful how potent that is